1: Welcome to the Sixer or Sense Podcast, hosted by site co-experts Lucas Johnson and Chris Klein.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Johnson, with my co-host here, Christopher Klein, and our producer, Uriah Young. Hey guys, how we doing tonight? Doing well.
1: Doing pretty good, man. Glad to have you guys back together again.
2: Yeah, you're right. You did a great job uh, hosting for me last week. I very much appreciate it. I was uh, I was coming back in from out of town. Well, out of town for me, but actually very close to the city of Philadelphia. I was in Delaware. We have some things to talk about today. We're going to just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, We're going to start with Embiid being snubbed from the All-NBA team. So, Chris, take it away.
3: Yeah, so like you mentioned, Lucas, the All-NBA teams were released last week. And a very notable omission was Joel Embiid. Um, Rudy Gobert made the third team All-NBA center spot over him That was uh, quite a controversial pick Uh, Lucas What what were your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, In terms of Embiid getting snubbed I think we can all agree That Embiid was, especially in the beginning Of the season, a half-step slow He, you know Partially he was trying to take things seriously And partially he was upset with the roster moves this past summer He's admitted as such since then Obviously there was some type of you know, disconnect between his happiness and his level of effort and his production as a result. But to be snubbed over Rudy Gobert is is a travesty for Embiid. I think. Yes, Gobert has always been gotten the better of him in the Defensive Player of the Year standings, but Gobert is nowhere near the offensive player. While Embiid, we can all agree, had took the season took the season lightly, especially to begin the year. He still outperformed Gobert in large part, and maybe, and we'll get into this a little bit later, maybe this has to do more with Ben Simmons getting the All-NBA nod than, you know, Rudy Gobert outplaying uh, Embiid in that regard.
3: Yeah, so I, I had never really even thought about it, frankly enough, but I think Ben Simmons is probably more deserving than Joel. I'm not sure what that really says or if it says anything, but... um I I honestly didn't have a huge problem with Gobert getting it. Uh, when I wrote my ballot for the site, I had Joe on the third team, All-NBA, but I think he was pretty much neck and neck with Gobert and, and Bam Adebayo from Miami. I think any one of them could have gotten that spot, and I wouldn't have really blinked an eye. So it didn't really shock me. It wasn't like a big like emotional reaction or anything on, on my end. And, you know, Gobert's a really special player. He had, obviously, a much bigger defensive impact than Joel this past season. Joe, Joe wasn't really at his peak on defense this year. Um, and like you said, Lucas, he, he, he looked a bit slow on offense as well at times. I, I think you can blame roster construction. I think you can blame injuries, effort, all that. It is, of course, worth mentioning that the Sixers haven't really made it easy on Embiid. That lies on the front office. But, you know, I didn't really have an issue with it. Gobert's a fantastic player. I don't think he's... You know, bad on offense. He, he's certainly not on Embiid's level in terms of versatility, but he fills his role quite well as a rim runner. He, you know, Utah was a good team this year, and in, in large part because of Gobert. So I, I didn't really have an issue with it. I, I think that was a fair, you know, decision. I would have maybe included Embiid, but I also write about the Sixers, so you know, it, that's just how it goes. So uh, is your take, Lucas, that Gobert should have should have been knocked off? That's like your official position. On yes. There. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that follows
2: up to your next question, but yeah, Gobert should, I think it be still, despite having the down year is still the overall better player than Gobert is should have had, should have been on the all at the team. Cause I still think if you're ranking centers, Joel Embiid still a top two, arguably top three, if you want to put Bam in that argument, but I wouldn't have Gobert over Embiid any day when I, when I rank centers. So that's, that's where I stand on that.
3: Yeah, and I, I think it is, of course, notable that, that these are this is supposed to you know commemorate the best season, not necessarily the best player. I would obviously put Joe over Gobert any day of the week if we're ranking the best players in the league. I think Joel's borderline top 10. But in terms of individual season and impact, uh, I, I think it's fair to put Gobert there. I, I probably would have put Bam over Gobert personally. I oh, I, mean, yeah. I, I like Bam quite a bit. Obviously, this is a regular season award, but there's a reason Miami is in the conference finals right now, and Bam's a very large part of that. So, uh, I mean, Bam's just a a stupendous player, and he had a great, great all-star season in Miami. So, for me, it would have been more, you know, a Joel versus Bam thing, but I don't Mm -hmm. don't think Gobert's, you know, an egregious pick or anything.
2: So, yeah, no, I want to follow that up a little bit, but I want to say this, in terms of so this is how I have the centers ranked right now. I have Jokic number one, Joel number two, Bam a very close third. I think Bam is – if Bam had a jump shot, he would probably be second. But right now he's third. Um, and then you have Gobert fourth and Carl Anthony Towns fifth. I think that's would be your top five centers. But I think you're right – I. I think if Bam made it over Gobert, I wouldn't be nearly as adamant about this. But I, I think, I think the gap just between uh, Gobert and Joel is just too big to miss on that one. But yeah, I, you're I right. Think... It does, it does, it does matter about who season, who, how the season played out versus who's the actual better player.
3: For sure, I think we're on the same page.
2: So I want to go ahead. To, I kind of touched on this earlier. So. Ben Simmons actually made third team All NBA, which is beyond exciting for Sixers fans. I, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I knew that he was a top five defender in the league, but I, you know, I thought because his offensive skills had basically stayed the same this season for as it had been so far this year, that I didn't think he was going to qualify for an All NBA team. So, Chris, did Ben deserve the third All Team, the third team All NBA, and if so, why?
3: Yeah, for for sure. He he was on my ballot when I wrote it for the site. I, like you mentioned, he's one of the best defenders in basketball, and that that's half the game. He finished fourth in Defensive Player of the Year voting. He made first team All Defense, so it's obvious that the voters respected him quite a bit on that front. And offensively, for for all the crap he gets about his jumper, mm-hmm. which which I understand, he's still a tremendous player. He he creates mm-hmm. shots at a level that few other players in the league can match. He's tremendously efficient, scoring at the rim. So, you know, he he catches a lot of flack, and he's kind of the object of criticism for for a lot of people. But um, at some point, you just have to acknowledge how good he is in his current state, which is quite good. And, uh, I mean, he probably had the best individual season on, on a playoff team in the East that many considered a contender that was, you know, neck and neck with the four seed. So you know, obviously a very disappointing season overall for Philly, but Ben Simmons individually was quite great on both ends. And I think it was a very well-deserved honor.
2: So I'm pretty sure I did not have Ben on my uh, all NBA team. And I think my reasoning was that he didn't make any type of significant improvement on offense. And that's my reason why I didn't have him. As for all the reasons that you mentioned, right. He's a great passer one of the best and versatile defenders in the league. The, I would say the most versatile defender in the league because he can legitimately guard one through five where at a high level, whereas I would say Draymond Green and Giannis can defar, get, uh, guard one through five, but I think they would have a hard time with ones uh, most ones in the league, whereas Ben doesn't. We've seen that firsthand. Um, <sighs> I guess it was kind of tricky for me because I was like, are they going to have him at point guard or center and I, I, I or forward? And I think they ended up having him as a guard on the all NBA squads. But um, yeah, no, I think he does. I mean, I'm not upset that he got it. Uh, I was surprised, but I mean, you definitely have a strong case for him. That's for sure. So I'm not going to say that he shouldn't have. I just, like I said, I was very surprised.
3: Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised too. I, I really wasn't anticipating him getting it, but I again I think it was very well deserved. I think the big snub for me was Chris Middleton. I think Westbrook making it um was, was a bit absurd. You know, Westbrook had some great runs this season, but uh I, I think He was
2: inconsistent.
3: Yeah, and Chris Middleton, he was on my my second team. Like the fact that he got left off was a bit ridiculous to me. Um the Bucks, you know, for all for all their you know, the talk about their postseason collapse, they were the best team in basketball by a pretty wide margin this season. And Middleton was a big part of that. He's one of the most efficient three level scorers there is. Um, tremendous defender on the wing as well, and, and he's just a super big part of, you know, Milwaukee's offense. And I, I think him being left off is probably the most egregious uh, you know mistake from the voters I you know I would have put him over Ben if that was you know a decision that had to be made but uh, it's Westbrook for me is the one that's you know pretty iffy uh,
2: I actually thought um, I didn't have CP3 in my all-NBA uh, ballot and it's not that he wasn't you know vintage Chris Paul it's just that I thought guys like bradley beal probably does i had bradley beal on my uh my all nba teams and i had chris middleton uh i think i might have even had brandon ingram i don't know maybe looking back that might not have been the best call but i and i'm about to I'm check that right now because i i can't remember off the top of my head but i i'm pretty sure i had middleton and uh and beal on my my awards but i definitely did not have i did not have chris paul and that. And I'm not saying that Chris Paul wasn't deserving. It just wasn't my... I don't think it was the one that I would have gone for, for sure.
3: Yeah, that's uh, fair. I, I had CP3 on mine, but um, I also maybe played with the positions a bit more than, than the voters did, you know, in terms of, you know, I had Kawhi Leonard on as a guard. And that just really wasn't going to happen in in reality. So so I can understand the differences there.
2: Yeah, no. Um. But I guess, I honestly didn't have too many uh, objections with the All-NBA Awards, to be honest. Um, I think that would be, yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm pretty okay with it for the most part.
3: Um... And just for the record, your third team was Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, Paul George, and Joel.
2: Was it okay? So yeah, no, I'm I, I'm, I stand by that. I mean, but at the same time, I understand where the voters came from too. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of surprised Siakam got. Well, no, I think he was on my second team.
3: I think okay. I think our next topic here is going to be, um, one that created quite a bit of buzz on the Sixers' Sense Twitter page this past week. Um, and that was the rumors surrounding Drew Holiday and a potential Sixers reunion um i believe it was kevin mccormick of 97.3 espn that initially reported that there was some interest there on, on both philly and new orleans side according to him the two sides discussed the trade briefly at the deadline obviously that didn't happen but if there is interest in a true holiday trade um lucas do you think that would be a good fit do you think that's something the sixers should jump on
2: Obviously it's a good fit. Drew holiday has proven to be able to be a combo guard in this league. He was a pure point guard when we had him last, but playing with players like Lonzo ball, Tyreek Evans, other, you know, playmakers, he's proven to be more than capable as a, as a combo guard. I like it in that respect because then he, he can play off the ball for Ben. He's a solid three point shooter. One of the best uh, guard defenders in the NBA, uh, so that in that regard, I like it. Um, I I think it's a good fit if we can get a reasonable tr- price, you know, trade for him where we don't give up too many assets. Because he's on he's on what he has two years left, and I think does he have a player option for his final year, Chris?
3: I I I'm not 100 percent sure, but I would think let me,
2: so. Du- let me let me double check that real quick. I will double check that. Let me check that. Is he on the? Can I say that I'm pretty upset that Eric Bledsoe got second team all defense over um, Drew Holiday this season?
3: I note. I was I more. I would say Beverly was the one who should have been kicked off. Bledsoe, I think, earned it. Um, I don't know.
2: Uh, let me see here. I'm on his uh, basketball reference page. let me
3: see his. Yeah. Account. So player option for 2021-22 at 26.2 okay. million.
2: Okay. So yeah so we, essentially we could only have them for one year, so I don't think the sixers should want to give up too much, but you know salary ma uh you know fit make sure the salaries fit, and then you know maybe one young player and or draft pick I wouldn't do too much on that though either way so but yeah no, I think that's that's fair
3: uh yeah so um,
2: yeah, just go ahead and
3: yeah, no, I mean, I, I think they would be able to, to re-sign him. I don't see why they would be against that. I, I don't think he's going to make much more than, you know, $25, 26000000 moving forward. He's already 30 years old, and, uh, I mean, they're obviously willing to pay Al Horford that much last summer. Uh, so it's I, not... I think they'd be willing to, you know, offer him an extension.
2: Oh, no, no, it's not that they wouldn't be willing. I want to see if he would want to stay. That's yeah, that's that's fair. That's my that's my concern. But
3: you know. I mean I, I do think he'd be on a very good team with Joel and Ben. I, I think Joe Ben Tobias and Drew is a contender in the East, so I would think he I don't know where else he would he would want to go. I don't think the Lakers or the Clippers are gonna be offering out max contracts at that point. So I mean I'm sure other teams would, you know, be willing to, to shell out some cash. But I, I do think the Sixers would have a pretty good chance of keeping him. And as you mentioned, obviously, it's a terrific fit. He's one of the best defenders in basketball, period. If you can put him next to Joe and Ben, who are also two of the best defenders in basketball, period, um, the Sixers should be quite good on that end. Um, You know, he's made his lone all-star appearance in Philly, um, you know, forever ago before the process. So fond memories, you know, for Philly fans, I would think. And, yeah, on the court, another playmaker a very smart playmaker an efficient playmaker in the half court something the Sixers have desperately needed um you know a trade would probably be Al Horford like you mentioned probably Matisse and in some first round picks obviously the Sixers can't shed all their first round picks in the the near future because they're capped out and they they need some some pipeline for young affordable talent to kind of keep the bench going but I think you have to do it if it's an option. Holidays, extremely good. I'm a bit confused as to why New Orleans seems so intent on trading him, or why that rumor keeps popping up. I'm not sure what the reason there is. I think he's quite a good fit there. If if, if they do want to trade him, and they have any remote interest in Al Horford and picks, uh, Derek Favors is a free agent, so they have a hole at center in front mm-hmm. of Jackson Hayes, who might not be ready to start for for a playoff contender. You know, go for it. I, I think it would be a tremendous move.
2: So, yeah, no, I want to follow up on that. Well, Horford is the ideal fit next to Zion Williamson because he can stretch the floor in that regard. And, um, Zion, yeah, I think they can switch on who, you know, Zion can defend centers too. So if need be, they can switch defensively well enough. Um, you know, also Horford's a willing passer, which should be ideal with whoever takes over in New Orleans. Um, with that said, so yeah, I think Horford would be have to be the guy there. I think you would do Horford, like you said, Matisse. I think he's the ideal person, and I'm not saying that Matisse or Shake. I would prefer to keep Shake over Matisse, but either one, mm-hmm. I think, would be okay, but not both and then i would probably do the first this season, this year's draft and maybe one of our top two seconds but no more than that i think that that's that's fair compensation don't
1: you me. don't you dare touch matisse don't touch my <laughs> thibel. don't touch my thibble guys that's all I would ask. you
2: rather you would you rather shake than Uriah?
1: i uh, i like shake but if i had to choose between the two i i would keep matisse
2: well, honestly, with their need for perimeter defenders, it would make more sense for them to go for Thibel in that regard, because they only have Josh Hart as the only and uh, Lonzo Ball is the only two legit perimeter defenders outside of uh, Holiday.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Matisse probably carries more value in a trade at this point, but if if you're the Sixers, as great as Matisse is, and he's going to be a tremendous defender for the rest of his career, maybe mm-hmm. even an all-defense type of defender, but the dude cannot do anything remotely positive on offense at this point. He He's probably the worst offensive player on the roster. Like, Zaire Smith level, like, ineffective? That's pretty low there, buddy. That's pretty low. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I no, love Matisse to death. He's a, <laughs> a wonderful 35. human. He it's easy 30, to root for him. From, he long. shot 30. Well, didn't Zaire do that in the G League? It's the, I mean, that's cheesy. I understand, but <laughs> remember, <laughs> guys, before b- before he playoffs, got hurt, was, was anyone t- talking about Matisse or considering him or defending him as though he was a threat from deep?
1: No. Okay. But before he it. was hurt, before he was hurt in the middle of the season, he was hot from three, and then he, he had a, a few games off. Matisse and shot came extremely
3: back well at home, and then he forgot how to shoot the ball on the road. That was pretty much you the story like for the entire season? roster. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Maybe that's a Sixers thing in general. Maybe that's some ancient curse that hovers around the organization. I don't know. But I'd probably say Shake, you know, contributes more to a playoff run next year. I think they need playmakers and they need quick trigger shooters who don't hesitate, uh, which Shake is. He's probably their best shooter. So I'd say if you can get him for Horford and Matisse and a couple first-round picks, you know, I think that's a fair deal. I, I, I take it. So check
1: this out guys. I I did not catch this until later after I sent you guys the agenda. But not only is Drew Holiday a trade rumor coming back to the Sixers, but did you guys hear about Lou Williams, Sweet Lou?
2: I heard I saw something on that on Twitter, okay. but I didn't see it confirmed. Yeah.
3: It came from like Legion Hoops, whoever runs oh. that account. So I'm yeah. not, I'm not going to give yeah. like too much credence to that as like a legitimate report slash rumor. I'm not even sure if we we should really consider that Drew Holiday like a concrete report. Rumor
2: you know, thing. I um, you know, I and I saw something about Thad Young being available too.
3: Yeah, but <laughs> if, if if Lou Williams and Thad Young are available for reasonable prices, of course you you, you go out and, and see see about it. Um, Lou Will is obviously a very limited player at this point in his career. He's a very poor defender. I think the Nuggets, you know, kind of exploited that to no end in the in the second round this year. So he, he he's certainly not the Lou Will of old. He's never been a good defender, but he, he is on the, you know, kind of reaching the twilight years of his career. But if you can get Lou Will for, I don't know. I mean, honestly, for like Mike Scott and Zaire and some picks. Maybe a pick, sure one pick, <laughs> but one. I, I don't know if that's something the Clippers are going to do. I'm, I'm sure Kawhi and Paul George are quite fond of Lou. Will. But... they should
2: take some, uh, to, uh, Tobias Harris, right, Chris? Should, yeah, uh, I
3: mean, if they want yeah. Tobias back, you know, they can have him. You know, be my <laughs> guess. But for,
2: for those that don't follow the Twitter, uh, we 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 made a little joke with the fan uh Clippers site about them taking back. Uh, 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 Tobias, and they, they
3: politely declined. Yeah, very unfortunate, because they, they were big Tobias fans last year. But, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if Lou Williams is a thing that can be had affordably, I wouldn't give up Josh Richardson for him. I wouldn't give up Matisse or Shake. really, quite no. frankly. Uh, I think he's maybe a bit overhyped at this point in his career. But he is Lou Will. He obviously gives the Sixers something they need very much, which is someone who can dribble and shoot the basketball. So... Who knows? Never say never. It's something I would definitely look at.
1: Can I can I tell my quick Lou Williams story? I met Lou Williams. Go for it. This was oh. probably back in 2011. He was still with the Sixers, and my sister was a bartender at a at a club in um, I guess it was was it Old City. Anyway, so it was near Gerard Avenue. So she was friends with Lou, and she knew a lot of professional athletes in the city. I was there that night. And I was hanging out and I got there and I'm and I'm like, hey, hey, sis, you know, what's going on? And she said, Lou's here. I said, Oh, I said, Lou Williams? She said, Yeah. So she pointed over to this VIP section, right? They had it roped off. So uh, I said, Okay, cool. That's that's nice. And I didn't think any, anything about it. I didn't think that I was actually gonna be introduced to him or anything. So a couple hours go by. I I got a couple of beers in me and I'm I'm feeling nice. And I go back to my sister, and I'm I'm saying, it's like, is Lou still here? And She's like, yeah, he's still over there. So I end up walking over to the VIP section, and she didn't realize that my plan was to go over and introduce myself. So I go <laughs> over, and I just remember this this dramatic call. She's like, you're right. She's like, Wait, no. So I go and I step over the the little rope, and this big bodyguard just jumps oh, in no. front of me. And then, and then my sister, she saved me. She said, no, Lou, that's my brother. <laughs> so Lou, he's, he's a little, probably one inch taller than me. Skinny as a rail. He dapped me up. He's like, oh, what's up, man? You know, you were talking about Georgia, and you know, I got family in Georgia. And the one thing I remember, guys, is his hands. I'm going Doris Burke on this right now. She's obsessed with hands. His, actually, his fingers were, they wrapped around my whole wrist. It felt like when I shook his hand. So yeah, that's my Lou Williams story. No no um no garlic or uh
3: No chicken it? wings. No was, chicken
1: wings in this one. I
2: was gonna ask you, did you guys talk about the lemon pepper wings?
1: No, no no lemon pepper wings, but uh he was he was cool. I almost got bum rushed by all his bodyguards, but but yeah, that was that was my one experience with Lou Williams. Really nice. Cool. Guy. That's,
3: that's cool, awesome.
2: man. That's that's cool. Um Gosh, we got so off topic there. So um I guess it's my fault. <laughs> no, my no, fault no, 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 <laughs> Don't apologize. Any Lou Williams stories definitely welcome on to the podcast. Even if they're about pepper lemon pepper beans, So <laughs> I guess we'll move on to our next next subject now. This is kind of a sore topic for most Sixers fans right now, because the Celtics and the Heat, they're probably the two biggest rivals of the Sixers right now in the Eastern Conference are in the Eastern Conference Finals. So you know, yeah. the, uh, so Chris, what do you what do we think the Sixers fans are more upset about, Jimmy Butler thriving with the Heat or Jason Tatum thriving with the Celtics?
3: I have no clue. I'm not even upset about it, frankly. <laughs> I love it. It's wonderful to me. I think it's hilarious. I think the Sixers front office deserves every ounce of embarrassment that comes from it. And frankly, I think Jimmy being as good as he has been is, is wonderful you know, good I wish all good things on him. I, I hope the Heat won the series. Uh, but I, I've quite enjoyed it, frankly. But um as for who who the Sixers fans should be more upset about or are more upset about, it's probably Jimmy. Like I, I don't really know if anyone, you know, thinks of Tatum as someone the Sixers could have had. I think it's pretty clear that the Celtics were gonna take him number one. Um, if, it, if it came to that, I think they were pretty dead set on, on Tatum. So um, obviously the Markel thing was weird and frustrating and annoying for, for the entire duration of that, that you know, event. But I, I would think they're more upset about Jimmy just because he's someone the Sixers could have had and did have. And it was pretty clear that they should have made every effort to bring him back and then they didn't. And now he's in the conference finals as the number one option on a heat team that looks just 12 times more cohesive and engaged than Philly ever did. So yeah, I'm, I'm frankly not upset about it though. So I think this is probably a better question for you.
2: (laughs) Um, So I'm, I guess I would say I'm more upset about Jimmy. Uh, I think that that mistake is much more blatantly obvious for the reasons that you said Tatum because Celtics were going to take Tatum regardless um, either at one or at three. So I think that one was pretty obvious there. In terms of Butler, we know why that fell apart. It was Brown's uh, poor relationship with Butler. It was Ben's poor yeah. relationship with Butler. Uh, you know, and I think but that's ben not too. an excuse, it's not an excuse, but you know, the front office didn't do what it needed to do to repair yeah. that, and um, you know, Butler decided that he didn't want
3: any part of it, so which you know, understandable put, at this yeah. point, he looks pretty yeah. like prescient, like good on him. I'm glad he yeah. got out in a way, yeah. No, <laughs>
2: it's, a, it's a toxic uh environment right now in the Sixers front office, and until Yeah, Uh, you know, I you know, it sounds like Alex Rucker's out the door for sure, based off of what we've been seeing from Keith Pompey. It looks Ed Cohen. It seems 50 50, but he should probably it it should be a clean sweep. But obviously, Brand's going to stay there, but everybody else should be gone. Uh, Yeah.
3: So how I look at it is basically one thing that the Sixers very clearly lacked this past season was accountability in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I think Jimmy is someone who holds everyone accountable. I think he called the Sixers mm-hmm. on their BS, essentially, and mm-hmm. they got their feelings hurt. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, you know. No, uh, no, no, no.
2: You, you're spot it, on. I mean, nobody likes yeah, to be called it's, out.
3: It's on Philly. It's, yeah. you know, if you have to choose between Jimmy Butler and Brett Brown, as much as I've always loved Brett Brown and as much as I defended him last season. You choose Jimmy Butler. It's really exactly. a no-brainer. He's quite possibly a top-ten player in the league. I mean, he's ridiculously talented. We've seen that he can close out games in high-pressure situations. We have now seen him lead a team to the conference finals. Um, so it was just an egregious mistake on the part of Philly's front office. I, 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 I mean, the lock screen on my phone right now is that picture of Jimmy Butler in like a fedora smoking a cigar. And I have a Miami Vice shirt in my closet, so I'm not mad about it. I feel good for him at this point. It is what it is. Well, I yeah.
2: I think the important thing, Chris, and I don't mean to cut you off here, but I think the important no. thing that we have to remember is not just the Brett Brown, the front office chose Jimmy over Brett Brown. I mean, Brett Brown over Jimmy is that they chose Brett Brown and Ben Simmons over Jimmy because you know we've seen reports where Ben hasn't been particularly happy with everything that Butler did either. Mm-hmm.
3: okay so yeah uh, my two pronged response to that is a do we think it was so bad that ben would have declined an extension and like asked for a trade if they brought jimmy back maybe but maybe Maybe. it could be if (laughs) that was the case then we should talk about it but i doubt it was i have my i'm skeptical because jimmy has said nothing but nice things about ben but who knows B. Has ben said Jimmy is nice significantly better ben, than Ben I'm, Simmons. Jimmy's, but Ben is a lot younger. Uh, ben is younger, obviously. You have the extension. I understand that. I love Ben. I think he's a tremendous player. But if you take Ben off this team and put Jimmy on there, are the Sixers like in the conference finals right now? Probably. I, I mean, obviously, as as Ben Al got Hall hurt. <laughs> I mean, Al Horford I, can't be on the team either. But yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I mean, does Jimmy Tobias and Joel? better than whatever happened this season? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I think Jimmy's just a tier or two above Ben right now. I'm not saying you should choose Jimmy over Ben if that really was the decision, but it's something to talk about, and I don't think it's as easy a decision as some might think it is, as great as Ben is, as much as I love Ben, as much as I have defended Ben on this podcast and on the site continuously. um, But even then, I don't think that was probably... You know a black and white decision, I'm sure Ben and Jimmy probably could have you know worked things out if, if that had been what needed to happen, but we'll probably well, never know
2: well, the thing is it's interesting that you bring that up because you remember that Jackie McMullen piece, right mm-hmm Ben stated in that piece to Jackie that he needs accountability he needs exactly. to call him out. so the fact that that was brought up as a reason that Butler didn't come back is kind of it seems a little off and like you said th- if that yeah. was the case that they had to choose hey. between Ben and, and Butler that then, then yeah we definitely need to talk about that cuz that's a big thing and we we probably the uh,
3: only time yeah. we'll
2: tell this story for sure
3: yeah and like do i do i doubt the fact that jimmy maybe rubbed in the wrong way and that his leadership style is maybe something that ben doesn't vibe with no, I'm, I'm sure that was the case. I, I think that's probably a legitimate gripe uh, that Ben had. But, <laughs> I mean, the most concrete report that we have about Jimmy's departure is that Philly was willing to offer him a max contract if he didn't take any other meetings, which is just some stupid, arbitrary crap that really mm-hmm. makes zero sense to me. It, it's I, I don't know what the logic there was. Again, it probably comes down to like ego and them having their feelings hurt and then wanting him to like prove loyalty for some reason. That sounds like an ownership thing. That sounds like something. It sounds like an ownership thing. It sounds like a messy front office with people who can't make up their minds thing. And at the end of the day, it just, it reflects poorly on the people up top. I don't think this has been Simmons fault. And I don't think it was Brett's fault. I really don't think it was, you know, Jimmy versus Brett or Jimmy versus Ben. And at the end of the day, I think it was just the front office shooting themselves in the foot because well, that seems like the most plausible explanation mm-hmm. at this point.
2: And, and Jimmy said in the Redick, and this is, I think, this is the last thing that was I'll say about this is that when, when Jimmy was on JJ's podcast, JJ Redick's podcast, he said the re, the thing that put him over the edge, why he decided not to come back, was somebody told him that somebody asked Brett Brown if he can control. But so Brown didn't say that, but somebody asked Brown that, and that was the thing that put him over the edge. So it sounds like either ownership or the front office. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing because you shouldn't have to. Yeah, you you should never ask a coach if they can control a player because you know they're grown men. You know you you don't control you know grown
3: men. Yeah, I think it's clear at this point that Jimmy, in in the right locker room with the right people around him, is a very positive force. And I think his accountability is a good thing. He's
0: mm-hmm. obviously
3: worked very well in Miami. I think all his mm-hmm. teammates love him, and the Heat obviously have a very strong culture. So I, I think it really reflects, again, on on the Sixers and their lack of lack of a strong culture, for better terms, uh, for lack of a better terms. So. So and. It, it, it's in Sorry, the past God. now, but yeah. yeah, it's sad. I don't like to think about it. I just like to cheer you know, cheer on Miami at this point. I feel good so, for Jimmy. I, so I wish good, him all good things.
2: So good thing for Miami here is apparently, according to Stephen A. Smith, and I believe he was the one that said it on first take, is that when Eric Spolster is up 2-0 in a series, he has never lost it. And they yeah, had a two I mean, old lead, so the, I I think that he have probably won this series. To be honest,
3: Eric Spoelstra is probably the best coach in basketball. Like, ooh, I don't know if I could say that it's him or Nick Nurse. That, it, it's, it's between him and Nick Nurse, and if we're you know, obviously recency bias, the Raptors did win a title last year, but are, I, I don't are know. we are I we taking Spolster, Greg Popovich out of this now? I I think so. I think Pop is past his prime, frankly. But again, the Spurs have also like given him DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. So you I was about to say, like Pop is still a great coach. Obviously, the Spurs somehow were in the playoff hunt to a degree despite having the roster that they did. But I, I think at this point, it's Spo and, and Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens are kind of you know. The
2: yeah, I are. would. Yeah, I would say probably those. I don't think is as hot as everybody thinks he is because. Yeah, as a regular season
3: coach, Budenholzer's yeah. right up there, but. He yeah, him and Mike D'Antoni in the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah,
2: 20. him and Mike D'Antoni. Right now, I put them. I put them in the same category. Him and D'Antoni. They're great for regular season, but terrible at playoffs because they don't make adjustments.
3: Yeah, I don't know who my, my number four would be at this point. It, it might be Rick Carlisle.
2: I'm Ooh, that's a good one. Sure, I mean, they do have. Uh, gosh, I do.
3: What about Doc Rivers? Mm, I mean, the, the Clippers just flopped a three-one lead.
0: But is that Denver. on Doc or is that
3: a... Yeah, I think a lot of it was on Doc. And I don't kept, know. Br- they kept bringing doubles at Jokic despite him tearing those up because he's Nikola Jokic. I mean, and to be fair, they didn't Montrez have any to guard him. Williams. I mean, they could have... They kept they playing and yeah. Lee despite Denver pounding them every single time down the floor. He made some pretty egregious mistakes in that series. I think a lot of the reason why, why LA lost that is on Ooh. Doc. Obviously, there are some broader problems there, chemistry-wise and in the locker room. It's not all on, on Doc Rivers. And at some point, you know, Kawhi and Paul George just have to step up because they're Kawhi yeah. Leonard and Paul George. But They, they, I, I they think, failed that series, man. I, I they, think Doc should... I mean, they're not going to fire him. I think that's been reported at this point, but I, I think Doc has to take a long, long look in the mirror at this point. He's on the hot seat for next season, man. I mean, he no. has now, I think, what was the stat? He's blown a 3-1 lead in like three separate decades now. Yeah. So this isn't a new thing for him. Obviously, he won the title with Boston. And, and that you know, he got a lot of respect out of that. But he, he hasn't really done a ton outside the Celtics. So uh, I don't let's think Doc see what will happens. be my pick. Uh,
2: yeah, no, but I think you're top three for sure. Um, try and think of anybody else that could really... Would you put Billy Donovan up there? Because I mean, he didn't fire. He he, you know, he left because he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild.
3: Or, yeah, I mean, I I think you can put Mike Malone up there. I think Mike. yeah, actually, Mike Malone might be my pick. Upon
2: yeah, the top. yeah,
3: Mike Malone. Yeah, might he's,
2: be he's pretty. Yeah, because he he gosh, um, Sacramento messed up by letting him go. Man, they that did. Was,
3: they messed up, I, and then they they messed up again by hiring Luke Walton. It might be the worst coach. Because Dave Yeager,
2: who actually I think is a yeah. A dark hired, horse candidate for for the Sixers job, I think I saw that at one point. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, Dave Yeager is pretty good too.
3: Yeah, he was good. I mean, I, I think it seemed like he maybe wore out his welcome there, so I don't I don't know that all the night. But yeah. Luke, Luke Walton was not a good coach with the Lakers, and they gave up quite a bit to bring him in, uh, you know, to replace Yeager with him uh, after the Kings had done quite good uh, the season before last. So, you know. It's Sacramento. That's what they're good at is making bonehead decisions that, that really don't like, like compute. But yeah, I think Michael Owen would be my number four if I had to pick one.
2: Yeah, that, that's that's fair. That's fair. I mean, he's one of the four coaches here. It's it's sad that Frank Vogel doesn't get enough credit for what he's done in L.A. Because I mean, most of that, yeah, is LeBron. But Frank Vogel, you know, he's not. He he's definitely have has the team bought in on a the culture there, but. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it's time were, for us to move on. Yeah, we, we
3: yeah. had not Sorry, go ahead. Not planned on that coaching tangent, so we apologize, everyone. But uh, our our next last, last topic here is going to be Isaiah Thomas. Lucas tweeted out earlier this week that the Sixers should sign IT, and he liked that tweet. Um, and then me and him uh, went on to have a bit of a, a debate in the comment section, I guess. Uh, so Lucas is very pro-Isaiah Thomas. I'll let him take the floor on that. Lucas, how did you feel when I T liked that tweet? And and make your case, make your pitch for Isaiah Thomas on the Philadelphia 76ers next season.
2: I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't screenshot that notification on Twitter and then posted it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm not saying that I didn't do that. He (laughs) did do that. but uh, I
3: I did do that. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. He did do uh, that, folks. He did do Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of it. I think he put like, it everybody. on MySpace. Um, he put it on MySpace too. Wow. Yeah. Pinterest. <laughs> first, off,
2: Reddit. first off, I was not allowed LinkedIn. to have MySpace when I was a teenager. Uh, Did Chris say LinkedIn? I actually don't have LinkedIn <laughs> on my phone right now. I mean, you could. You can. I wouldn't, but I, you know, you can. Um, <laughs> should, no, but for real. The idea. Um, <laughs> no, but. Uh, <laughs> no it was cool that it liked it um obviously he's been looking for if you follow him on twitter you know that he's been looking for a team to take him on for a while um isaiah thomas former mvp candidate with the celtics back in 2016 15 through 17 uh injuries derailed his once promising career he's 31 years old now um he had a decent run with the Wizards this past season averaged, I believe, 13 points and about three and a half assists, three, three and a half, four assists a game. Somewhere around there, shot 41% from the three-point line. Um, obviously, he's lost a step because of the multiple. Uh, was it ankle injuries, Chris? I believe it was ankle injuries, right? Um, some
3: Some lower leg injury, yeah.
2: Multiple lower leg injuries, uh, not being able to heal from them properly. Um, so, and he's always never been a good defender at 5'9", so he's always been a liability on that point. But he did start for the Wizards in 37 out of 40 games for them this past season. Um, I think he can still be a quality NBA bench player at this point. I think he can be a spark plug, plug off bench. So that's my, my case for my – the Sixers need a shot creator and guy that can, you know, create for others a little bit, Isaiah Thomas would be a cheap option for the Sixers there. And this is where me and Chris get uh, disagreed because uh, for everybody that's listened to this podcast in the past, you all know that Chris loves himself somehow, Unetto, and he believes how Neto would be a better option than, than it is a hell Isaiah Thomas. I must die on at
3: this point. I have I've it, dug myself you, into that hole, you, and I'm, I'm sticking with it now. How Neto We love you Chris. We (laughs) love you. I I gotta order a jersey Uh, at this point. But
1: you have to now.
3: You
2: have to and you have to post it on all social medias.
3: He's five foot nine. He's getting up there in years. He's probably the worst defender in basketball. And he's not that tremendously impactful on offense even at this point. Like would I be opposed? To him being the fifteenth guy on the bench, no, not necessarily. Um, but do you want know, to think he's someone that you want, you know, playing real minutes for a contender, especially in the playoffs? It's no. Like I- it is just flat out unplayable in the postseason at this point. Like if Lou Williams gets hammered by someone in the playoffs, it is just going to get bulldozed. You know, it's just not going to happen for him. <laughs> um. But, yeah, but, I mean Meadow can at least sort of compete on defense, and he's a very smart playmaker, shoots threes well, plays his part offensively. I think he had a really good run in the bubble. I don't think he got enough credit for that. I think he's not as terrible as the sixers fandom generally makes him out to be. I think he's a perfectly fine backup, and I'm frankly not sure that Isaiah Thomas is a perfectly fine backup at this point, so yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't see it. It's not something that I would, in, you know, be itching to get behind.
2: Well, okay. Here's my counter argument, and then I want to hear what Uriah thinks because he's going to have to be our tiebreaker here. Um, my counter argument is this: Isaiah Thomas has a much higher ceiling in terms of what he can do offensively. Uh, still, not... even at his yes, yes, he okay. does. Sure, he does. I guess. He, He averaged thirteen points a game in twenty-three minutes. That's
3: not something for the Wizards.
2: It doesn't matter. It's not like he was. It's not like he was on like you know the Cavaliers or like the
3: um, The New York Knicks or even
2: the Wizards that were in the playoff
3: were the only. They were. They were also the worst defense in basketball.
2: That well, I mean. Fair enough, and you're right, he probably will be taking Eden live on defense, but unlike the Clippers, the Sixers have two elite defenders that can help make up for his defensive liabilities. The Clippers have Hawaii
3: and Paul George. Yeah, but I'm talking about interior defense. defense
2: That's fair. Okay, but here's my, but no, yeah, they don't have interior defense like Joel Embiid or
3: even what Ben Simmons or Al Warford can do, you know, so. I mean, Zubac isn't terrible. He was I mean, labor, Zubach isn't terrible, but he only,
2: uh, Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, Zubach usually only plays about 18 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the actual stat, but, you know, that's what it feels like most nights anyway, so...
3: But, you I know, mean, people complained about that, J.J. Redick, and he was really fine, honestly, on defense. But... I mean, he's just going to get scored on every time down the floor in the playoffs. He, you just cannot play him in the postseason. It's not going to happen. There's a 0% chance of success there. Unless he returns to, like, all-star That's form on fair. offense, which he's not going to do, which has not been the case for, like, three years now, it's just not going to happen.
1: Okay, so here, here's the tiebreaker right here, if you don't mind me jumping mm-hmm. in. Because, Lucas, you brought my it name depends. up, and here I am. I think you both have good points. I think if it was Isaiah Thomas from when he played with the Celtics, I would love to have him as an option off the bench. I don't think he'd be the fifteenth man on the bench, Chris. I mean, Muriel Shack <laughs> over it—that's uh, a
3: little well, hyper- hyperbolic. The sixteenth man.
1: Man, that dude is slow as molasses. He—he—he's a star in the G League, but and that's where he belongs. But in terms of <sighs> what I have, or would I rather have him or Neto? <laughs> I don't know who I'd rather have. I don't think I'd rather have either of them at this point. Trey Burke. <laughs> oh yeah, give me Trey Burke yes, all please, day, every day. Please, no. Yes, it's Neto. Yes. I'll take Trey, not Neto. No, yeah, Chris. We... Sorry. let I'm that sorry. go. No, no. let it
3: go. I'm not letting it go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but seriously, Trey Burke. What, that was just a huge mistake by the Sixers,
3: and not they should really. they should have for him. Well, I mean, look what he did for the Mavericks. Just saying. So, I I mean. But the, yeah, I mean, but he wouldn't have gotten playing time with the Sixers. I don't think it was. Well, it was for Brown's fault, not not his fault. Well, Neto's the better player, so is it Brown's no, fault? He is. It's it's true. Oh, I'm, my sorry. Gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for speaking the truth. You're right. I have my back is on hard this to one. Handle
1: i'm sorry i I don't even know who Chris is right now. I don't recognize him his His basketball knowledge and his intellect is just I don't know it's being threatened right now by all this nettle talk people. I'm sorry I don't know. <laughs>
2: If right, six, the Sixers resign Nedo this summer, you have to buy his jersey. I'm throwing a party.
3: A, thing. And you, a socially distant yes, you have a barbecue to, in my backyard to celebrate <laughs> the return yes, of Nedo. You have to throw. You have
2: to wear the jersey. You have to post a video or picture and pictures of it. I will. And I will then, yes, yeah, the it's becoming.
3: If he is resigned, deal. Batch, Bet You all heard it. And if I T <laughs> signed, I will. I will buy an I T jersey. Hmm. Now, it should maybe be the other way around. That would raise the stakes. If they sign it, I'll get an it jersey, and if Neto resigns, you get a Neto jersey. Ooh. That's how it should be. Ooh. Oh, 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 you know what? <laughs> Shh.
1: I don't think either is going to happen. But good luck, guys.
2: <laughs> good luck. Oh uh, gosh, I'll take that bet. But gosh, I don't. Uh... I don't have to keep it, right? I can get rid of it after I take the
3: picture, right? You can hold the bonfire directly after purchasing it if you want to.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, I'm not going to... If I have to buy the jersey, I'm not going to burn it because like, that's a waste of money. It to like, goodwill or something. Yeah, there you go. Charity. I'm a charity person, darn it. (laughs) All right, so I think we're transitioning to the end of our podcast. You want to do our social media question of the week?
1: Yeah, let's get to it. So the social media question of the week, when it popped in my mind, I was thinking, okay, we've done a lot of questions relative to players and trades and possible coaches, but I thought, guys, let's take it back and let's have some type of theme going on here with the past. So the question is, which play was more iconic? Was it Dr. J's rock the baby, or Allen Iverson's step over? Both were uh, playoff games, very important plays, against, ironically, both the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'll start with Facebook. And the, the cool thing about Facebook is, I mean, you never know where, where the shares are going to go, right? So we posted it, you guys posted it on Saturday. And it got some traction on our site, the or Cent site, on Facebook. But I noticed that it got a lot of shares, and if I look carefully, it went to All Sports Philly. It's, a, it's another group on Facebook. And that got over almost 30 comments. Sean Hare on Facebook said, as much as everyone loved that crossover from AI, I still have to go with Doctor. Plus, the Sixers won the championship that year. So shout out to Sean Hare Ooh. for making that, that, um, that distinction there. But it, it just seems like it's split down the middle. And then I guess it depends on how old you are, right? All right. On Twitter, in response to the social media question of the week, Adam D. Smith, he just came out and he said, rock the baby. Both great, but I got to go with rock the baby. And Adam, you really stood out, not because you got the most likes, but because you had the most exclamation points. <laughs> I think he had about seven total in his mm. response. So what do you guys think? Do you think it's AI or do you think it's Dr. J.?
3: Relative to all these events, I'm pretty much a baby. so I was a toddler when the step over happened, and I was not alive, unfortunately, for <laughs> Dr. J. Um, so my perspective is maybe not the, the widest reaching there, but I mean, for me personally, as like what was the, maybe the most impactful moment probably Rock the baby. You know that's still an iconic move that people people reference to this day. Um, I don't know if the step over was a move necessarily. It was more like a, a moment. That's the one I remember most. I mean, I you know I feel like we see something about the step back every other day on Twitter. Um, Iverson is still very fresh in the minds of most most Sixer fans. Um, he's someone that I at least know of and, and got to watch more of, I guess, in my life than than Dr. J. So. From that perspective, I'd probably have to say the step over, but I and plus you know it, it might involve the next head coach of the Sixers, so who knows? But for, uh, I can't I can't really maybe speak to to everyone on that front.
2: So I ever totally forgot about the you know Dr. J winning the championship on that with you know during that that playoff run, but. like Chris. I am on the younger side. I'm not quite as young as Chris, and we've talked about this with Keith Pompey in the past, but I was like, I think I was eight when the crossover happened, so I was still relatively young. Um, I wasn't even watching basketball at that point, so I didn't even know that happened then, but if I had to look back, I think the crossover was the defining moment of the Iverson era. If I had to choose one, I think that's the defining moment Or Dr. J and I mean, he had so many unique moves. I don't think that that one is, like, the ultimate, like, you know what I mean? So you could go with mm-hmm. a couple. I think that one defined the Iverson era, the you know, the Sixers era, and the era of the early 2000s of basketball, really. You know, kind of like that bad, uh, like the bad boy streak. You know what I mean? Like, the the definitely had that type. You know what I mean? So I think in terms of, I think that that would be a bigger iconic moment, and at least for me. But you know, obviously, don't want to take anything away from Doctor J and his his unique skill set and his needs.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Doctor J and AI are like the two most iconic players in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really think of anyone who would who would surpass them on that front in terms of just like fan impact and, and people, you know, a player that people resonated with and enjoyed watching.
2: Charles Barkley, but, uh, maybe?
3: Yeah, maybe. But it, I, I feel like he, you know most of his success came outside of Philadelphia. And that yes. wasn't the case for, for Iverson or um, for Dr. Yeah. J. So, but I'm with you. I think, I think it's the crossover for me personally. And like you mentioned, I do think that is kind of Iverson's defining moment, which may, maybe can't be said for, for the Rock the Baby. No, I, I saw both. Uh,
1: the Dr. J when I was really young, but that was when I started falling in love with basketball. Iverson, that move, I think, like Lucas said, we talked about that before, back in June, when we had him on, and it was Iverson's birthday. And I actually saw that, I saw that when I was in college. So both plays, to me, are equally as important to the lore of 76ers history. But if I just take you through each play very briefly there was a certain effect that each one had. And if you watch them on YouTube, it's the same. So in one play, you had Dr. J. It was like a a botched play by the Lakers, and he ended up getting a steal. And it was one of those plays where, if you look at the people in the stands, people were kind of sitting down. But as soon as Dr. J got the ball in the wing and Michael Cooper was trying to get back on defense, you saw this, it was like a wave. People just, they went from sitting down to standing up. And it was this big, this Oh, just this big rise of emotion. And then the emphatic slam and Michael Cooper didn't even try to block the shot. So that emotional response is just such a a memorable experience for people who watch that either on TV or in the stands, the Iverson move guys. It was really, everyone was standing up, whether you were in Philly or LA. I mean, I was in my living room. I was on my feet. And we were kind of expecting something, so I guess the relevance and the significance of that move was was more important because it was a tight game. I'm a tie. I'm just I can't pick. I refuse to pick because they're both equally important to me.
3: Yeah. um, Thanks again, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of the Six Percent Podcast. We know that a lot is going on in the world right now, and and you giving us the time of day to to talk some Sixers basketball really means a lot. You you can, again, find all of us on Twitter. And on the site, obviously, we have some great content coming up every day. We have some great content coming up over the next few days. So we suggest you check all that out. And we hope to talk to you guys again next week, and, and we'll see you then.